Man, another week of college basketball is in the books. Man, the parody in college basketball these days is at an all-time high. I know personally that I love it, and I think a lot of you guys out there love it too. I know we have our our certain teams that we love and and, and we root hard for them, but just to see the ever-changing world and anybody can win, I think that's what college basketball is these days. I believe people love that the parody is there. Uh, let's take a deep dive in this. We got our, our resident college basketball analyst, Bryant Northern, former UofL basketball player, to talk to us. Let's get into it. All right, man, another crazy week in college basketball. Um, you know, up, down, number one teams lose. It's just really, really competitive. Um, you know, the 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 landscape of college basketball right now, I, I love it. I know there's a lot of people that don't like it, Brian. And again, thank you for joining us, man. Uh, I know there's a lot of me. people that don't like that there's no dominant team, but for me, I think it's great. I think the parody is absolutely wonderful. What do you think, man? Who wants to watch a movie when you know everything that's going to happen in the movie? You know what's going to happen at the end. You know what's going to happen at the middle. That's boring. Absolutely. This is the movie with the unexpected twists and turns. And we didn't know that this person was going to die. Or we didn't know who done it at the end. This is all of that mystery and all of that surprise you want in sports. The parody is absolutely great for sports. This number one team gets beat. This unranked team beats this team at, at, at their home court. We need that to keep you viewing. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It keeps you watching and entertained because the unexpected is happening. It's absolutely. great for sports. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better, my man. Couldn't have said it any better. A couple of things. First off, you know, we see this sort of thing every single year, you know, I'm wearing my K-State gear today, and I, I got a bad feeling about my my Wildcats, man. It looks to me like they have hit a wall. Uh, I tweeted some information about out this, and people jumped down my throat, and there were other people that 100% agreed. But it's <laughs> it's just the fact is they have hit a wall, and we see it every year from teams. A team that you don't think is going to be very good at the beginning of the year, they come out like a house of fire win games that you don't think that they should win, really competitive. But about February, mid-February, they hit that wall, and it's like, okay, they're struggling. You know, they are struggling at the wrong time of year. And Kansas State, man, I want them to get it turned around. And I think they can because they got the, the pieces in place. But right now, they're going through it, man. They are going through it. I think for Kansas State, what it could be is we're seeing um, a lot of times in conference play, you have a secret sauce, you have something Absolutely. that's working. And then conference play hits where these teams watch you and they scout you and they know your every move and your every play. They know all your wrinkles and they know every player's tendency. And they are able to stop the things that worked well early in the year. Yeah. So for me – that first 10, 12 games or so is not who you really are. We don't really know who you are until you get in the thick of that conference play and you're starting to play some teams a second time and teams have seen you play eight, nine games and they know what, what to expect. And that's why of the days of past, coaches like Patino, he would make those runs in March. 
And we have some coaches who they're great all year and then they can't make that postseason run, which I know you're not big on Matt Painter and Purdue, but Purdue fits in that category. They have had some great teams all year, yeah. but they can't make that final postseason run. Yep. What we could be seeing with Kansas State is they're hitting that wall that that midseason. Well, we're a little further in the midseason, but they're hitting that wall in conference play. And it's also the best conference, but yeah. the plays aren't working anymore. The continuity isn't there. This this play worked three weeks ago, six games ago. Now it doesn't work anymore. And I think that's ultimately what's happening to your to your team. Yeah, it, it, it's and that is what's happening because they're they're basically they're not cohesive on offense now the one thing that you could usually well, I say usually they're a pretty good defensive team all year and that hasn't been the case the last I don't know two and a half three weeks they've just been getting by and they've won a few games but I think what you're saying is right man teams have seen them they've seen them once and now this is the second time around and teams are like you know what we're taking this away from you do you have a counterpunch and right now they just don't have that counterpunch. You guys so. may have peaked too early, man. You guys yeah. may have peaked too early. Two, two, three weeks ago, you guys were a top ten, top eighteen. Absolutely. Now you had that big win against Kansas, and we have not seen that same Kansas State team since that Kansas win. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 different. They're like I said, they're going through it. Uh, it'll be up for the, to the coaching staff to get this thing turned around because none of the guys on their team have won anything. They haven't won anything. Mm -hmm. So the coaching staff has. So we'll see what Drum Tank, and I believe in him because I think he's a really good coach. So we'll see what they can do. Uh, moving on just into the Big 12 in general, man, it's a meat grinder. And I think, again, part of what Kansas State's problem is, it's the best conference by far. And mm -hmm. it is just a meat grinder. You're seeing, again, Texas who had lost some games. Texas is really, really good. I don't think people understand how good Texas. Obviously, Kansas is good, and, and, and Kansas is going to get the benefit of the doubt just because they're Kansas. But Kansas, Baylor, again, is really good. I just think top to bottom, we've talked about it, and everybody knows it's the, the best conference, but they're going to get eight teams in this tournament. And if the bottom two teams keep winning, like Oklahoma and Texas Tech keep winning – I don't think Tech can get there. Oklahoma might be able to get there with the, if they just keep winning games. Now, they lose two or three more games, then, yeah, no. But, man, this conference is tough. This is the conference where you see a team with 17, 18 wins get in. There could yeah. be a team in the Big 12 that has 18 wins that gets in, and then there's another team in the SEC with 20 wins that doesn't get in. Yeah. Um, the strength of schedule, the strength of play for the Big 12. If uh, college basketball was boxing, this would be the heavyweight guys. These are the big boys. Absolutely. My concern for the Big 12 is, are they going to beat each other all up yeah. and not be able to make a run in the tournament? Will they be so exhausted, right. so injured, bumps and bruises from all these competitive physical games where right. they're not in full capacity to make that run in March? Because you're going to want everybody to be healthy. You're going to need everybody flowing. And you don't need all those nagging injuries that, that comes from grueling games. Absolutely. Well, that Big 12 tournament is going to be just a bloodbath. And I think is it's it almost be, better not to win it, though, Big 12? Would you it almost said be better it right before I could. Absolutely, yeah. man. It's like, okay, do I just go out in the quarterfinals and we just rest up and get in this NCAA tournament? Because three days in a row in this conference, you're going to be beat up. And I don't know that the four days off that you get 
is enough time with travel and everything. I don't know that that's enough time to to get right. Now, if you win it, you're going to be a higher seed. So, you know, you may get some fortune there. But, man, that's just going to be just tough on these kids' bodies, man, in that conference. I think if you're already a one, two, or three seed, I don't know if you you want to win this. I mean, yeah. ultimately, you get one seed higher. If you're a three and now you, you make it to the championship game of your conference tournament, now you're a two. Yeah. I don't know if that helps you. You've now played three extra games. Absolutely. You're exhausted. You've went back to back to back. A couple of days off and now you're playing again. Yeah. No, sir. I actually think it would be a, a blessing in disguise to Absolutely. lose early. Now, if you're a seven seed and you're trying to fight to improve your your that's tournament different. resume. That's win. right. That's different. But if you're a one, two, or three seed, I don't think you need to win that tournament. You don't yeah. want to play four games in four days. And quite three games as in kept, three days. Brian, as quiet as it's kept, the coaches feel the same way as what you just yeah. said. They 100% feel the same way. They want to win. Don't get me wrong. But if they happen to get beat, they're not going to cry any tears. They're like, you know what? Fine. Let's go rest up and let's go get this NCAA tournament underway. So For people who don't think that fatigue matters and being well-rested, Go back a couple years ago, UCLA and Gonzaga go to overtime, okay? Had Gonzaga not went to overtime in that grueling physical defensive game, yeah. they don't get blown out by Baylor. Right. That game took everything out of them. And right. if you're an athlete and you know you're watching right now, you remember those, those games where you Absolutely. get one day off and you got to play. When your body's just not there, it's not the same. So I think ultimately – being well rested, having that time to prepare, having that time to let all those little nagging little injuries heal is what you're going to need in the tournament. So, like I said, the Big 12, I'm a little concerned for them. Are they going to beat each other up to the point where the two or three teams we're expecting to make a run can't? Right. That's great points, man. Great points. Moving on into the Big 10, Purdue has lost some games, um, and it's just what I told you. I know Purdue's good. I, I get it that they're good, man, but they're losing some of these basketball games that I don't think they should be losing. Look, I get Northwestern is good. You know, they, they just beat Indiana, and I believe Indiana's a good basketball team, and Northwestern is good. But if Purdue's the type of team that we think that they're going to be, they can't lose that game. Can they, Bryant? Yes, they can, and here's why. I still think that the Big Ten is the second-best conference top to bottom. Sure. Northwestern – is Northwestern. They're not going to probably make the tournament. They're an academic prestigious school. I mean, it's, it, it is what it is, but in basketball this year, you don't want to play them. You almost rather play a Michigan or Michigan state. You don't want to play Northwestern at Northwestern. That game to them is everything. They look forward. Almost every game for them is a big deal. Think about that. It's almost like their Super Bowl. They want to beat a IU. They want to beat a Michigan state. So every game for them, I think there's a different mental approach. Now, Purdue, they could have lost to Gonzaga earlier. They could have lost to some really good teams earlier, but they didn't. So now they're taking some lumps now. And I think what they're going to see is, are we going to see a better Purdue because of it? This losing sometimes helps you in a way that, sure okay, we, we are human. We can get beat. If we sure. don't listen to the coaches, if we don't execute, maybe they had a bad week of practice and they lose to Northwest and this is their wake-up moment. Hey, guys, we got to get better. We really have to work. We really right. have to run our sets. So I don't think that number one seed, it doesn't matter. If you don't end up winning the tournament, if you don't make it to a final four, who cares if you're number one or number three? What they right. have to do is get all of those guys back on the same page. They have to keep doing the little things they did that made Purdue great and what they are. And you kind of said early, 
hey, a really athletic team is going to beat them. Well, Northwestern is not overly athletic. And they no, still they're not. No, Purdue can lose to anybody. They can lose to someone who just executes and passes and, and isn't overly athletic or overly big, who just plays great basketball. And I think everyone is in that category. I don't think you have to run into a, a team from the Big 12 who's big, strong, and athletic. You can just run into a great, smart basketball, well-coached, well-executing team and lose. But I think what yeah. we need to see is let's let's put them on the uh, on the on the watch. Let's see how they do the next two or three games. Is this Purdue kind right. of falling? falling out into a slump or is this just a bad game and a great bad game for Purdue great game for Northwestern right and that's where I'm gonna stay I think it's a bad game for Purdue great game for Northwestern but if I'm the coaching staff I now take this game and say hey guys do I have your attention you are you are beatable you just lost let's get back to the little things let's get back to the X's and O's let's get Zach Eady the ball and everybody do their role and we can still be the top team that we've been all year right no no that's a good point the only difference is, or I, I should say, the only thing I disagree with, I think Northwestern is going to make the tournament. I mean, they got a good record. They've won some games. I think Northwestern is in. I, I, I hope they do. I would love to see Northwestern make the tournament. Yeah. Because I, once again, in that parody we're talking about early, it's great for college basketball. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and moving on down the road, I again, the Big 12, or the Big 10 Conference, excuse me, is, is definitely the second best conference. It, but it's kind of what we've mentioned before. I just think the Big Ten is going to get a bunch of teams in, and we get around to the second weekend, there's going to be one or two of them standing. And it's the great point that you made uh, last week, Brian, is they're going to have a couple of teams that are one through four as far as seeds, and they're going to be able to win some games, or at least a game. But they're going to have the majority of that conference is going to be seven through 12. And they're going to run into some teams that are just better than them. And then they're going to lose. And then people are going to badmouth the conference. I don't know that you should do that, especially in a year of so much parity. I don't think that that is necessarily fair. Because usually people will just beat up on, on the Big Ten when that happens. With so much parity in college basketball, I don't think that's necessarily fair this particular year. I agree with you there. I do. I think it's hard not to, though, right? When you get sure. down to the Sweet 16 and there's only two teams left from a conference who was supposed to be the best conference, it's hard to ignore and say, I thought the Big Ten was so great. Right. Here's four teams left in the SEC or four teams left in the Big 12, and there's the Big Ten again with just two teams in the Sweet 16. I think what we can look at is who is really representing the Big Ten. From top to bottom, we see that even their 7th, 8th, and ninth team are really solid. And that's why I picked them as the second best conference because I'm not looking at the top two or three teams in the Big Ten. If that's the case, the SEC's top two or three teams are right there as well. From top to bottom, I like what the Big Ten is doing. I don't expect five or six teams to make a long run or make the Elite Eight or even the Sweet 16 because it just never happens. You always right. see one or two teams representing the conference well and they make a run and then everybody else they run into a buzzsaw. They get a good, good, bad matchup. They're they're a six seed going against a three seed, and they just happen to get beat by somebody who's better or playing better. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving on. Look, I think my secret may be out on Marquette. You know, I was saying that they were going to be a sleeper team that nobody's talking about. Well, they keep winning, and now people are talking about them. Marquette has an opportunity here to do some damage in this NCAA tournament. You knew they were going to be well coached. I mean, Shaka Smart is a great basketball coach. It didn't work out at Texas, 
But, you know, there's a lot of people that go to Texas and things don't work out the way that they – I just think it was the wrong fit. You know, he went there, hey, they're throwing a bunch of money at you. Of course you go. You know, but mm-hmm. this – and Marquette, not saying that he can't coach at that level. Marquette and, you know, the Big East might be a little bit of a step down, but Marquette is playing some good basketball, man. They're, they're going to be something – people are going to have to deal with them when it comes tournament time. They kind of remind me of the Xavier's of the past. Where yeah. They, you know, when Xavier was in the A-10, but yes. they still get a three-seat. That's right. You know, or a four-seat. This Marquette team is going to be, in my opinion, a three or a four seed, and they're going to be a team that's going to be dangerous that you Absolutely. don't want to play. And you, they're not sneaking up on anybody. No, you know, not anymore. People know who they are. People know what they can do. The Big East is the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Marquette isn't going to sneak up on anybody. They're go- whoever plays them in the tournament is going to be very, very well prepared for these group of guys. There, no one sneaks up on anyone anymore. You know, when, no. when I played 20 years ago, you had Creighton's and Gonzaga's and Butler. I lost to Butler my junior year. We were a four seed. They snuck up on us. Those days are, are of the old. You know, there's too many ESPN Plus and ESPN News and ESPN this and ESPN that. You can watch a game, tune in. You can go to YouTube or see highlights anywhere. And this Marquette team, to me, uh, has everything it needs to make an Elite Eight or even a Final Four run. Now, depending on matchups, I might not pick them. I don't love the Big East or love them as much as you do. But this team's legit. Yeah, yeah, this no, they're definitely legit. legit. Another team that that they got the big guy back in there. They're playing much better basketball. That can shoot the lights out is Creighton. That Creighton. was my team. I love yeah. Creighton. Preseason, <laughs> that was my team. UConn yeah. kind of ran the Big East early on. They got ranked as uh, high as I think four or five. I think um, Creighton for me was the team who I thought, okay, this is the team in the Big East. They struggled when their big man went out. And even Big B, when he first came back, they still weren't winning. Correct. They were taking some lumps. Now Correct. they've caught fire. This is the Creighton team that I was looking for yeah. that I even saw last year. But this Creighton team, to me, with that size, they're kind of like a poor man's Purdue. That big man is just a hard matchup. And mm-hmm. they have top to bottom better shooters than Purdue. Purdue right. relies on one or two guys to make shots. Everyone in that five. Outside of that big man, the other four guys on the floor are all knockdown shooters. Right. And they're better athletes than Purdue. Those shooters, those guys are also really, really athletic at Creighton. They're going to have to be dealt with, man. I'm telling you, yeah. they're, they're, they're a good basketball team. Again, another team, if you don't dig in and figure out you know, what's going on, they're going to destroy your bracket because you're going to just see Creighton, mm-hmm. and you're going to look at their record and think, eh, not so much, and they're going to end up in Sweet 16. So, yes. as we know, matchups are everything. Uh, to wrap all this up, you know, a conference that we don't talk that much about because they're way out west is the Pac-12. Do you see anything out there? Other, I mean, Arizona, obviously, and we've talked about them. Arizona is really good. I think UCLA is also really good. Other than those two, is there anything else out there that you think can do any damage in this tournament? I mean, we can talk about some other teams in that conference. But I'm going to be honest with you, UCLA is probably the best coach in their conference. Mick Cronin is the real deal. He is a defensive-minded coach. He is uh, – they're the West Coast version of Virginia. So okay. you got Virginia on the East Coast, and then UCLA is the West Coast, Coast version of that. They can play a game to 50 and hold you to 40. They can play right. a game to 55 and hold you to under 45. They can play a game to 45 and hold you under that. They are the real deal. They have one or two guys on that team who I think have a chance of playing in the pros. Mm-hmm. Their point guard is experienced, the little tiger guy. 
Mick Cronin is a Rick Pitino, Bob Huggins uh, mentee. He's come from a, a group of guys who've just gotten it done. Um, he was also on that staff with Kevin Willard and Scotty Davenport. I mean, you have all of the, the pieces from coaching to players to make another run. There's something about when you've been there before that helps you get back there. Right. And they've Absolutely. been there. They've been to a Final Four. He's one with these guys. And I think what we're going to see is UCLA every year is going to be a team. They mm -hmm. are going to be a top 10, top 20 team every year. They're not going anywhere. It's L.A. He doesn't Absolutely. have a hard time recruiting there. No. All the stars, all the money. It's Los no. Angeles. It's beautiful women. It's great basketball. They have all the tradition and history. Mick Cronin is the real deal, man. And I know yeah. a lot of people didn't like him at that hire. But I think UCLA is um, a team that we need to watch out for. And then we've both said before numerous times, Arizona's a matchup nightmare. They're Absolutely. even big at the point guard spot. And they got those bigs. They're the only team this year I've seen that made Indiana look small. Right. They're the only team I've seen this year that made Indiana look little. And those right. big guys gave Trace Jackson Davis the blues. Yeah. So I love those two teams. Unfortunately, there's nobody else really in that conference that kind of piques my interest. I love that Arizona and UCLA, they might, they're going to, they're gonna, we talked earlier about representing the conference. They're going to represent the Pac-12 and they're both teams who can make a Final Four run. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know we got some other conferences and stuff like that, but, you know, we've touched on them before. I think these are the major ones because ACC doesn't do anything. They don't move the needle for me. The SEC, uh, you know, they've got a couple of teams. I think Kentucky is is finding their way back into the tournament, but they got to keep winning. If they keep losing, I know they got a big win last night uh, on the road, and it was a key victory. But if they lose a couple more games – they're going to be – I mean, you just start looking at their schedule. You think, oh, Kentucky, they got a decent record. They hadn't beaten anybody that they're was any bubble, good. Man. Gee, many Christmas. It's crazy that bubbles. they haven't. It's, it's bubbles all day. I got a yeah. two-year-old daughter who, when it gets warm, all she wants to do is play with bubbles. <laughs> Kentucky, little UK would be in those bubbles. Oh. They're 17-9. and nine. They had, Their next five games is Auburn. They got Vandy. They got Arkansas coming up, okay? They um, have to play Tennessee again. Now, that game is at UK, but who wants to play Tennessee? Right. So in these next five games, I think they need to win at least two more, okay? And then they need to win one or two in the conference play. But I think Kentucky's bubble. They're not in. They're not necessarily out. But if you had to start the tournament today, they're more than likely out. They still need to get to 20 wins. Yeah. Um, beating Arkansas or beating uh, Tennessee would definitely help. Auburn would be a great win, and Florida is a good win. That Mississippi State win for me doesn't mean much. They beat Mississippi State at Mississippi State, but so what? Mississippi State, they're supposed to win that game. Well, they need to win against Auburn, Arkansas, or Tennessee, and then they need one or two wins in that conference tournament before their fans I, can yes. get excited. I'm the same way. Everybody was – and I know that technically Mississippi State's a quad one win, but I'm like, come on, man, what are we talking about here? They're not that good of a basketball team. I go, they, yeah. Kentucky needs just what you said. They got to beat, of the three tough games that they have left, Arkansas, Tennessee, or Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Auburn. They got to win two of those games. If they win, because you're not moving the needle. I know Florida's okay, but you're not moving the needle beating Florida. Well, they got Vandy, too. Vandy and, should and, be, they should beat Vandy. That, that'll get them and that's another one. Wins. But they're not moving the needle beating them, but you got to beat them. You can't lose to somebody like that. If you lose to somebody like that, then you got to sweep all three of those games 
against Auburn, Arkansas, and Tennessee. So you can't slip up. So I think the they committee is biased, though. Be the committee. They, no, they, they, they can't ignore. They can't ignore money. They can't ignore blue blood. They can't ignore money. They can't ignore ignore who sells tickets. Who do we turn on the TV to watch? And UK puts people in the seats, and they UK do. fans watch their team. They watch basketball. They do. I'll I give mean, UK it, fans credit. If it's on the bubble, Kentucky's getting in. You know, you just go. like uh, North Carolina. Now, you talk about somebody not getting in. North Carolina's not getting in. They're, they're not getting mm-hmm. in this tournament. Not, they're, they're terrible. Um, but, but you're right. You're 100% right. You know, if Kentucky's on the bubble, you might as well consider them off and in the tournament. So, I still think they got to win some of these games coming up, though, uh, to, to be able to make a real, real push uh, and be solidified in getting in the tournament. I think um, it would be cool to see them as a seventh seed. I'm not a Kentucky guy. I would love to see them come in as a seven seed. And I think that's too high, though. It. I think that's too high. I don't think they're so getting you think to that, seven. So you think they would be a nine or ten? Yeah, I don't think they're. Okay. I mean, hey, now, there's still better. games left. There's still games left, better. so they can change. <laughs> but I don't think, as of right now, there's no way they, they're a seven seed. I would there love to no see way. them as a nine or ten seed and have every yeah. game they're the underdog. That would be fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and see them. Well, the one thing about it is, is I think they can put some things together. They got a couple guys hurt. Uh, if, if they get those guys back and they can put some stuff together, I think they're going to surprise a few teams. But we'll see because this is not the best version of a Kentucky basketball team this year. It, it just you know what I love more than anything is when when Kentucky gets beat and I get to scroll through my Facebook feed and see all the Kentucky fans talk about how bad Calipari is. Yes, and how they want him gone. And I'm like, man, my team has won three games, and you three. guys, three games, and you guys are 17 and nine or 16 and nine. And, you want the coach and when fight. they lose, I mean, you would think Calipari's never done anything for that program because those fans want him out of out of there. They want him. They do. They want him fired right now. It's amazing. And I'm thinking, just think back to where you were before Calipari got there. You had a drunk as your head coach in Billy Gillespie. That's who your head coach was. Just think back and how bad they were during that time period when he was your head coach. I go, so do you really, really want to go back to that? Or you know what? Maybe we can have a few years where we're not the most dominant team in college basketball that we actually that not actually, but you have to fight your way to get to where you're trying to go when you don't have the most talent because Kentucky's had the most talented teams a lot of years and they, they have not won the the national championship. The UK fans have legitimate. Uh, I think some of their complaints are legitimate. He has underachieved with the most elite talent now. He has guys to stay one year, two years, and leave. His recipe for one and done, it's an NBA factory. We know that. Sure. You want to go pro in one year, you go to UK. It used to be Duke. It is UK. They have more elite players in the NBA than any college team right now. So if you want to go pro, if you want to play on that stage, if you want to go to a college campus and be treated like a king, go to Lexington. UK is that. But with some of these rosters and teams he's had and losing in the second round, sweet 16 and getting beat, Coach Cal's underachieved. His X and O pedigree, his X and O coaching Terrible. is subpar. Yeah. He's not an elite coach in he that aspect. Not. Okay, he he's not. won a title. He's he's he has some players that love him. There's some things he's done at UK that's great. But I'm gonna tell you this much, man. He has underachieved. But to the UK fans who want him fired, who do you get? Who do yeah, you who replace do you him with? And if who you can't you replace get? him with someone better, then why why get rid of him? 
I think what you do is you just demand that he changes his style, change his style of recruiting, change his style of offense, and and you keep him because he is bringing in elite players. But can we challenge him to bring in maybe a, a, some, a new assistant coach, change his offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator style type coaching, and maybe say, hey, let me bring in a guy who can help me make this right. something different. Maybe recruit a guy who's ranked 40th who stays three years versus a guy who's ranked fifth and leaves after one year. So I start all over. So for me, I 100%. think UK fans are a little obnoxious, but I enjoy reading them <laughs> argue over how he how he shouldn't be there. For me, it's, it's, it's yeah. fun. Well, the thing is, it's going to come to a head sooner or later because Calipari and the AD, Mitch Barnhart, do not get along. So it's going to end. Something's going to happen here, I think, sooner than later because I think Mitch Barnhart is done with Calipari but he doesn't have the fan support to be. I think he'd fire him if he could do it right now. But he knows that if he does and UK takes a, a slip, that he's getting fired next. So I think, I mean, but you got to find a way to I don't think he ever gets fired. Man. I think he walks away. I don't think you fire a Coach Calipari. He's and too I, expensive I, and he's right. too loved. He you're has right. to walk away. They have to make this job unbearable for him. Next year he has a top-tier recruiting class with, what does he have, like four of the top ten guys? I mean, yeah. I don't know if we've ever well, seen that. I think that. that's literally... what the AD is trying to do. I think the AD, when they're not getting all these upgraded facilities that everybody has, UK is not getting that. And I think that's what he's doing is trying to make the job unbearable to where he just walks away so that he – because he can't fire him. You're right. He can't fire him. But Cal's he wants making to. $10 million a year. They're going to have a hard time making that $10 million job. Just go there. away. That's right. That's right. That's going to make that hard to walk away from. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you again for, for joining us. Uh, I love having these talks, man, and just putting this information out to people, man. It's, it's real good because not it's enough people, fun. I don't think, talk college basketball in general. And I love college basketball. So I appreciate you taking the time, Brian. Thank you, Big B. I appreciate you. Uh-huh. Thank you.